Please turn with me in God's precious word to the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1. <coughs> we want to uh, take a reading from verse uh, 21 and we'll read down to verse 40. Mark chapter 1 and we'll read from verse uh, 21 and down to verse chapter uh, verse 40 it is a life in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ and then we move into the next day as well <coughs> Mark chapter 1 and we'll read from verse 21 the word of the Lord says and they went and they went into Capernaum and straightway on the Sabbath day he entered into the synagogue and taught and they were astonished at his doctrine for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit and he cried out saying let us alone what have we to do with thee thou Jesus of Nazareth art thou come to destroy us I know thee who thou art the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him saying hold thy peace and come out of him. When the unclean spirit had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they do obey him. And immediately his fame spread abroad through all the region round about Galilee. And forthwith, when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at even, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased, and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many that were sick of divers diseases, and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak, because they knew him. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed and Simon and they that were with him followed after him and when they had found him they said unto him all men seek for thee and he said unto them let us go in to the next towns that I may preach there also for therefore came I forth and he preached in their synagogues throughout all Galilee and cast out devils and there came a leper to him beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying unto him if thou wilt thou canst make me clean amen we know the lord will add his blessing to his own inspired word as it's been read today let's just uh, bow briefly for a word of prayer we have prayed uh, already together we have sought the lord together we have praised the lord in the worship of singing but now we come 
to the most central part of all our worship, any of our worship, and that is the preaching of the cross. And we ask you now that the Lord will search your heart and you pray that God will give help just now. Father, we confess, Lord, without thee we can do nothing. And yea, Lord, we dare not preach in the energy of the flesh. And O God, we confess we dare not hear thy word in the energy of the flesh. But Father, we bless thee that there is cleansing power in the blood of the Lamb. Lord, we pray just now, cleanse us afresh. Take away every distracting thought. Lord, we pray that our hearts and minds would be centred upon the person of thy dear Son, the lovely Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank thee, thy word has taught us that, yea, he is altogether lovely. And, O God, though we have come, and thankfully, to uh, have fellowship, uh, Lord, with one another, but yet, Lord, truly, our fellowship is in Jesus Christ. Lord, we have come to hear thy voice. We have come to hear thee, O God, speaking to us. And, Father, we pray, O God, this day, that thou wilt fill us full of the Holy Ghost and of power. Lord, stand beside me. Fill me, speak through me. Make me a channel of blessing. And, Lord, we pray for each and every one who would sit in the seat today, minister to every heart. Lord, draw near, we cry, for the Saviour's sake. Amen. In studying the life of Jesus Christ throughout the Gospels, one part, part, or important fact that we are drawn to is the Saviour's ministry of prayer and his ministry of preaching. We learn throughout the Word of God it was said of our Saviour and of his preaching and of his words that never man speak like this man. We also learn, as we've read today, that when he had taught on many occasions that his word came with authority, his word came with power. We learn as well that when he was in prayer, that he had power in prayer. For in John chapter 12, verse 42, he said about his father, Thou hearest me always. And the two are connected together, praying and preaching. For God blesses the preaching of his word when his people get together in prayer. And the Lord Jesus Christ, here in Mark chapter 1, as he was going by Galilee again, he visited his disciples, those whom he had saved, those whom he had chosen in John chapter 1. And now he comes alongside again and says to them, follow me. Or the words that are rendered here in Mark chapter 1 verse 17. Come ye after me. And the point is this here. We have been saved to serve Jesus Christ. We have been saved to live for Jesus Christ. And the words there. Come after me. In Mark chapter 1 verse 17. They are in the imperative. And they are a command. And therefore the Lord says. Come after me. And come after me now. Follow me now. Every single day of your life, you are to follow me. You are to go through with me. You are to lead where I guide. Do what I say. Obey me. Come ye after me. And maybe today, dear child of God, that you have been saved for a number of years. Oh, we pray today that the Lord would come by to you and say to you this day, Come ye after me. Have that closer walk with our Saviour. And as this chapter, Mark chapter 1, the Lord would draw them into that closer fellowship with him. And as they would travel around with him, he would teach them off that great ministry of praying and the ministry of preaching. Because, as so we said, the two go together. A man came to Charles Spurgeon years ago. And Charles Spurgeon was that man who ministered there in London in the tabernacle. 
And the man said to Mr. Spurgeon, who preached to 8,000 every single week, Mr. Spurgeon, what is the success of your ministry? And Charles Spurgeon said, follow me. And he took him through the tabernacle and he took him downstairs to the boiler room and he opened up the door. And Charles Spurgeon said to that man, here is the success of my ministry. I have 300 people praying for me before the service, during the service and after the service. I have a praying congregation. And as the people got together to pray, God blessed the preaching of his word. And was it not McShane, I think, who said, little prayer is little power. Some prayer is some power. But much prayer, there is much power. And therefore, as we learn here, this great ministry of praying and the ministry of preaching, I want to show, uh, focus today simply on the Saviour's prayer life and his ministry of prayer. Because though in chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 35 through the 39, you have the two ministries. Yet, I only want to focus today on the ministry of prayer. And I pray today at the end of this service that we will have that greater desire to get to prayer. That greater desire to have that fellowship with our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice, first of all, there is the spirit of Christ's prayer time. The spirit of his uh, prayer time. And within this first point, I want you to focus with me on three Simple thoughts in the first point. Notice there is the priority of his prayer time. The priority of his prayer time. It says there, verse 35, And rising up a great while before day. And here as the Saviour is teaching his disciples, he is guiding them and directing them about their fellowship and about their worship. And they were to look on to him who is the author and the finisher of the faith. They were to keep their eyes on him and to do what he is to do. Because he has left us and he left them an example that they were to follow his steps. They were to look to him of how he did things and then to follow that ministry, that pattern in their life. The Saviour rose up the early morning and he had communion with his Father. He spent time in prayer. Now why is that important? Because it was early in the morning. <clears throat> we learned that the day before was the Sabbath day. And we took time there to read verse 21 where the Saviour entered into the synagogue. And there he taught. And as he taught, his word came with power. His word came with authority. The people straight away could see the difference. That here is the teaching of the Saviour. It's not as the scribes. It's not as the Pharisees. It's not just feigned tradition. It's not just empty religion. But it is a word that's come with power. Oh, this Lord's day, this Sabbath day, was like none other. Because the Saviour entered that day and he taught them with authority. <coughs> and child of God, isn't that our desire? That as we come to God's house, that every Sabbath day, even today, would be a special day. For it would be a day when his word would come with authority. Would come with power to my heart. Would come with power to my life. To make me do something. To make me serve him. To make me love him. Oh Lord, come with power today and change my life. Because when the Lord came with power that day, there was an individual who was possessed, an unclean man, 
who was controlled by Satan. And the Lord saved him. And that's what we long in our congregations, isn't it? It's to see God move and God to save souls. And maybe there's one here today and you're not saved. And sin has dominion over you. Oh, we pray today that his word will come with authority. It will come with power to your heart and save you gloriously. And uh, have the victory in your life over sin. Oh, the Lord, in that day, entered into the synagogue and his word came with authority. We learn as well after they entered into the house of Simon, uh, Peter's mother-in-law. And she had taken sick. And they besought the Lord. And there they were in prayer for this one. They got together to pray. They knew something wasn't right. Uh, they entered into the house and they could see, here is a woman who is not well. And they got straight to prayer. And they besought the Lord for this woman, pleading, Lord, for this lady. And maybe there's one here today. And you have a loved one who is not well. And like Peter and the other disciples, you go home to a house where one is not well. You go home to one who is sick. You beseech the Lord for that one. You plead before the Lord for that one. That the Lord would draw alongside. And if it be his will to raise that one up. The Lord will answer according to his will. The Lord entered into that house. And he touched Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And she got up and she started to serve the Lord. And maybe there's one here. In recent times the Lord has touched you. The Lord has given you health. How we are to serve him. To minister to him. And to ever be thankful for him. We learn at the end. Into the night. The Lord continued to heal. People brought all sick people to them. And the Lord healed into the night. And now we've got to the next day. And it's early in the morning. And not to be irreverent. But if I could say it like this, the Lord did not say, well, I had a busy Sabbath day and I don't need to spend any more time in fellowship or in worship. I've done so much yesterday that I think I deserve some time off today or I've had enough yesterday. I've got enough that will do me right through until a Tuesday. No, uh, the Lord in the morning, straight away, got into communion to fellowship with the Lord, his Father, to teach his disciples that our worship is not just one day a week. Though we come together as a group of people to worship the Lord. But yet individually we are to worship the Lord every single day. And men and women when you have met with God today. And his word comes with authority to your heart. Tomorrow morning we're not to let the flesh take over and say well, I can get by today without prayer. Oh, I was in God's house yesterday and I had a word from God. I had a great blessing from the Lord and I'll see how far I can go until I need it again. No, I say get straight into the word of God. Get straight into prayer because that's what the Savior did. He rose up in the morning. It was his priority. It was his desire to get into prayer. Why? Because the Lord knew that he would have a busy day. A busy schedule because in Luke chapter 4 verse 42 where this uh, occasion is also given we learn that the people sought him and came to him and he knew that he would be busy we learn as well throughout the Bible in the life of Jesus Christ in John chapter 8 verse 2 it says there early in the morning 
he came again into the temple and all the people came unto him and sat down and he taught them. And there's many more verses we could mention. And then the morning, people came to the Savior. He was busy every day. And you may have a busy schedule every day. Whether it be in the ministry, where it be in your job, it may be college, it may be school, assignments, whatever it may be. And you have a busy schedule every single day. But how, throughout the day, we ought to have a time set aside to meet with the Lord. You see, it was early in the morning. And commentators hold it, and it's rightly said, it is the fourth watch of the morning. Between 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning. Now, I'm not here to say that you have to go up at 3 a.m. in the morning. If you do, that's great. Praise the Lord. If you don't, I don't want you to leave defeated thinking, well, I feel the Lord already today because I haven't got up that early. That's not the point today. The point is that throughout the day, whether it's in early in the morning, whether it's in the afternoon, whether it's nighttime, that you have a, prolo- uh, you have a long season spent with the Lord, a time set aside, that you have ministered and he has ministered on to you. Because though you have that busy schedule, yet we all have the same priority. And that is to meet with the Saviour. You remember in Daniel chapter 6, when Daniel was promoted to be one of the presents, number one in the kingdom. Daniel had a busy schedule. He had a busy appointments that he had to make sure the king had no damage. But what do we still learn in verse 10? That Daniel still went, as he did a four time, and prayed three times a day. Daniel didn't change his schedule. He kept three times a day. And therefore, do you have that priority? Do you have that desire every day to spend that time with the Lord? Have you spent time with the Lord today? Has it been your priority every single day? To spend a time with the Saviour, Jesus Christ. Notice also his purpose in prayer. The purpose in this prayer time. Because we learn that he rose up in the morning and it was to pray. And the word there prayed, it's in the present tense and therefore it's continuous. He's continually praying throughout this season. He's at the throne continually praying. Now, We don't know what the Saviour said in this prayer time. And we dare not try to put words into the Saviour's mouth that is not there. Though we can go through other references in the scriptures of the Saviour in prayer. John chapter 17, his great high priestly prayer. Where he's praying for himself and believers and future believers. Praying for his church. We learn as well in Luke chapter 22. In verse 31 to 32. Where he says to Simon. Uh, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired that he may sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for thee. And notice there, it's not Simon, I'm going to pray for you. And it's not Simon, when the devil attacks, I will pray for you. But already, even before the devil comes to attack you, I have prayed for you, that thy faith fail not. And men and women, those who are saved today, we have a great high priest, One who prays for us. One who pleads every day before the accuser comes. We have one who is at the throne praying for us. But can I suggest something this morning? 
It says there that he prayed. And the word there prayed simply means to praise. It means to worship. And therefore, everything we do, all our praise, all our worship, ought to focus upon redemption. And I may I say to you that when the Saviour got to pray, and he was spending time here in prayer, in worship, he was coming with the mindset of the work of the cross, of the work of Calvary, because he came here, anything the Saviour did, all his prayer, all his work, was all centred upon redemption, because he is the God-man, the one who was man, but never ceased to be God. The one who took unto himself our true humanity. Bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And therefore when he lived on this earth. He lived as the God man. And he came to fulfill the will of God. For in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son. And that word sent forth. It is the word that signifies to be sent forth with a purpose. And therefore his purpose was to redeem his people. His purpose was to purchase his church with the precious blood. And everything Christ did, whether in prayer, whether in preaching, it centers upon his work of redemption. We learn in the tabernacle worship, in the temple, in Exodus chapter 29. It speaks about in the tabernacle about the priest. Of how the priest would slay the lamb. And the lamb was slain in the morning and in the evening every single day. And then also we learn about the in Leviticus, uh, Exodus 30. Then after the animal was slain and the blood was shed. Then they, they offered up the incense. Where the spices were placed upon the coals uh, from the, the sacrifice. And that incense arose up before God. And it simply spoke of prayer. And therefore we have, just as the lamb was slain in the morning, the sacrifice, the blood was shed. And then after the high priest also offered up the incense, speaking of prayer. Here we have the Lord Jesus Christ. Both are connected in him. He fulfilled both because he is the lamb. He is the lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. He is the one who is the offering and the offerer. He is the one who gave himself on the cross of Calvary. He is the great high priest. Not only was his blood shed, but also he entered into heaven to appear in the presence of God. In the merits of his own precious blood. And therefore Christ uh, fulfilled the type. We learn in Job chapter 1, verse 5, that whenever Job is in the family altar and Job is praying for his family and he's praying over his children, it says there in Job chapter 1, verse 5, and he rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. And the burnt offering is simply that sacrifice. The animal was completely offered up, completely sacrificed. And therefore, Jesus Christ, as Job was offering up that burnt offering, as he was praying 
for his family. He was praying on the ground of redemption. His mind was focused upon Jesus Christ, the one who would come in a future day. Job was looking forward to the cross work. He was looking forward to redemption. And therefore, the blood was shed, the animal was offered up as the sacrifice and he prayed for his family on the grounds of the blood and therefore that's important because when we come in prayer we come on the ground of the blood we don't come on the ground of the church we don't come on the ground of anything that we could have done we don't come through the name of the virgin mary but we come did god through jesus christ and the merits of the shed blood for without the shedding of the blood there is no remission of sin. And therefore may I submit to you that as this, as the Saviour got to pray in the morning time, as Matthew Henry suggests, it reflects his time on the cross. That as the Lamb was offered up every single morning, so the Saviour got to pray in the morning and his mind was centred upon redemption. His mind was centred upon the cross. Because in verse 38, after the Saviour had finished praying, he said, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. In Luke chapter 4, verse 44, the Saviour said in the same account, I must preach the kingdom of God. Therefore am I sent. And therefore, that's why he was sent. It was to hurl the message. It was to build his church. It was to purchase redemption for all those whom his blood would be shed for. And therefore, when we come, like we said, all our praise, all our praying, all our worship, it all must be centered upon redemption. And therefore, when we pray, when we preach, when we worship, it always must have the mind centered upon redemption don't we sing that song a redeemed how i love to proclaim it redeemed by the blood of the lamb praise him praise him jesus our blessed redeemer for our sins he suffered and bled and died and therefore unsaved one this day those who are here still in your sin those who are here still in your bondage you must flee to the cross. You must get to Calvary. You must get to the precious blood. Because it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. And it is the precious blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary. To wash sin away. And therefore there is no other way. For Jesus Christ is the way, the truth and the life. You must get to the cross of Calvary. At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart was rolled away. Have you been to Calvary? Have you been to the cross? Is it well with your soul? Do you have peace with God today through Jesus Christ? But it is only through the blood and the blood alone. There is no other way. It is the blood sacrifice. Child of God, let me just say it like this. When the Saviour started his morning, it was thinking about the cross. Have you today spent time thinking about the cross? Before you came to God's house this day, has your mind focused upon the lamb slain? Has your mind thought about the blood shedding? Have you thought about the great debt that was paid for your sin? 
Have you thought about Calvary today? Has your mind been drawn to the one who is the altogether lovely one? The one who laid down his life. The one who said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Have you thought about Calvary today? Or have you just rushed out and come to God's house without spending time at the foot of the cross? I pray that even from today, even from tomorrow, as you wake up again, that you will start the day at the cross. This was his purpose, redemption. And therefore, when we come to pray, we all, we always not must pray just our own wants and wishy-washy things. As what we are always taught, pray on scriptural ground. Pray the blood sacrifice. Praise and our worship centred upon Jesus Christ. Because that's important. Because so many churches today in their worship and their message has nothing to do with redemption. Nothing to do with Jesus Christ. It's all about entertainment. It's all about just having people there for 25 minutes and sending them home making them feel good. But how we always must have our meetings centred upon Calvary. So that was his purpose. But notice also the principle of his prayer time. In the morning, rising up a great while before day. Now you notice here, if commentators are right, which I would say they are here, uh, that night he was at Peter, Peter's mother-in-law's house and he healed the people. So he stayed there that night is what the commentators believe he has done. And therefore in the next day, he gets up and he goes out to pray. But you'll not read here that he wakens everybody up. And you'll not read that he says to people, wakens them up one by one. By the way, I'm going out to pray and this is where you'll see me. Or by the way, I'm going out to here and a couple of hours come and get me. No, he simply got up and he went out and he departed into a solitary place to be alone and to pray. And here's the principle. And even the youngest child in this room, young person, can be taught this. I taught this to my boys as well. And here's the principle. The first thing you do in the morning when you get up ought not to be to look at your phone to see what is on Facebook or who has been WhatsApping you or to see what the schedule is. But the first thing we ought to do in the morning the and I'm on about when you're lying in your bed. I know we've been talking about having a, a season alone with the Lord, a time spent with Him. But I'm on about just the first thing now when you get up in the morning and lying on your bed. How it ought to be. Uh, Psalm 5, verse 3. O Lord, in the morning, uh, my voice in the morning, uh, my voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord, in the morning, will I direct my prayer and look up. The first thing we ought to do in the morning is simply thank the Lord for the night season, for his protection during the night, watching over us, and Lord bless us this day. I taught that to my boys as well. First thing you do, instead of rushing, getting ready for school, on your bed, you lie down, and you thank the Lord for that. Because so many times we're in a rush, we get up, maybe we've, we're late, we've slept in, and we've rushed, and we're in a rush to get out. Or maybe we have things to do, or whatever it may be. And we don't start the day with the Lord. Here's the principle. Spending time with the Lord. 
not to, doesn't matter what men say, our authority is not what men say, but you learn there, uh, 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 Andrew Bonner, again, this was his motto. He said in his ministry, he followed three simple things, that he would not speak to any man before he spoke with Christ. He would not do anything with his hands until he had been on his knees, and he would not read the paper until he had read his Bible. Now, though our authority is not in men, what other men do, but nonetheless, the principle is still the same. How we spent time around the Lord today. What was the first thing we did when we got up this morning? Did we say, Lord, thank you for salvation? Thank you for keeping me this night? Or did we just rush up and get out? Here is the Spirit of Christ's prayer time. It was his priority to pray. Do we have that desire? Can we say, as the deer panteth for the water brook, so my soul longs after thee. His purpose, it was on redemption. Thinking about the cross. And then the principle. He didn't meet with anyone. He went straight out to meet with the Lord, his father. Notice secondly, there is here, not only the spirit of Christ's prayer time, but the seclusion of Christ's prayer time. Because he departed. He went out and departed into a solitary place and prayed. And the word there is solitary. It simply signifies a, a, a wilderness. A place to get alone. And the Saviour went out to be alone. That there was no distractions. And did not he teach the disciples in Matthew chapter 6 verse 6. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet... And shut the door. And the closet there signifies the chamber. A place to get alone with God. A place to be alone and to spend time with him. And do you have that place? Is there a place, whatever it may be, the car, uh, some place in the house. Sometime during the day where it's quiet. That you can get alone with the saviour. Where there's not maybe the distraction of the TV. Or the radio. Or the phone. Whatever it may be. It's to get alone with God. We learn don't we. In Genesis chapter 32. It says there in Genesis chapter 32. I'll just turn there now. Genesis chapter 32. About that well uh, known portion of scripture. Of Jacob. And it says there. In Genesis uh, 32. Verse 24. And Jacob was alone, and there wrestled with him a man until the breaking of the day. And we know this man is the, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is uh, from Hosea chapter 12, verses 1 to 6. It is this man, uh, the Lord Jesus, uh, Christophany, an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament, pointing forward to the day when he would come in his true humanity uh, permanently. Well, here is a man wrestled with Jacob until the breaking of the day. And it was not Jacob wrestling with the man, Christ. It was the man wrestling with Jacob. And what were the words? I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And there is the Lord is wrestling with Jacob. Here is his desire. Lord, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. I'm holding on. I'm wrestling here. Lord, I want to meet with you. And I will not let thee go. And we learn that uh, it says there that he touched the hollow of his thigh. 
Jacob's thigh. And you may have heard this before, the spiritual application of this here. People have said that he touched the hollow of Jacob's thigh. And whenever, his, whenever Jacob walked again, his walk would be different. And therefore, when the Lord comes and touches our life, our walk will be different. And it says that God blessed him there. Where? The place that he was alone when he met with God. And dear child of God, is that your desire today? Have you come here today and every day? Have you said, Lord, I will not let thee go today except thou bless me. Lord, come today and move in my situation. Move in my heart. Move in my family. Lord, change my life. Change my wife, change my children, change my mom, change my dad, change my brother, change my sister. Lord, change my home. Lord, I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Lord, send me a revival. Lord, I don't want just to come and go. Lord, every week I've come to God's house and I've just sat here for a whole hour and I've just left again. Lord, I come to the Word to read the Word, and I'm just reading the pages quickly, and I'm just getting through some schedule that I have to get through. And maybe you've been like that before. I've talked to people before, and they've got behind on a Bible reading, and they follow one of these things, read uh, six chapters a day, five chapters a day, whatever it may be, and maybe they've missed the day. And they've said to me, well, they get caught up, I just simply scan the pages. And therefore, really, you haven't read anything. And maybe you've done that. And you're scanning through the pages. And in prayer, Lord, bless me indeed. Lord, I don't want just to come to God's house. Lord, to carry off, change my life, send me a revival. Lord, surely it's time for thee to work, Lord. For too long, Lord, I've been sitting, Lord. I've just let it in one ear and out the other. Oh Lord, come and move in my heart. And he will. He will. But do you want him to bless you? Would you be like Jacob? I will not let thee go except thou bless me. Do you want the blessing today? Do you want revival? Do you want the Lord to move down in our heart, in our situation? To be on fire for him? O oh Lord, our service for thee has been barren and dry, and barren it shall remain. Lord, send me a revival. Because he is the God of revival, and he has not changed. But you say, Lord, I will not let thee go. Every time I come into God's house, Lord, I will not let thee go, except thou bless me. Coming to the end, there is the standard of Christ's prayer time. Because throughout the Saviour's life, he taught his disciples what it was to pray. Now, I'll not go through all the references, I'll just name them here. Luke chapter 1, verse 11. Luke 9, 18. Luke 9, 28 to 30. Luke 22, verse 39 to 45. And they all have the reference that he took them alone, or he took them up to the mountain, and he prayed, or they saw him praying. And here we learn in verse 37, it says this here, verse 37, And when they had found him, and what was he doing when they found him? He was in prayer. He was in prayer. And it says there, uh, verse 36, And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. And the word there followed, it signifies to hunt down. Uh, they're searching after him. They can't find him. They don't know where he is. And they keep hunting him down. Uh, 
going out, wherever it may be, to find him. And there are others with him, Simon and other people. Another crowd has come, as Luke chapter 4 says, about another group have come. So the disciples are there, another group has come, and they're looking him, they're hunting him down. And they find him. But notice, when they find him, they don't get down to pray with him. They simply say, all men seek for thee. And the entrance in these words of what people hold is basically, Lord, we haven't got time. There are people here and they need to be spoken to. They need to be touched. Lord, we haven't got time. We need to get on. We need to get busy. We need to keep moving, Lord. We need to stay here, Lord, and do the work. And the Lord got up and he said to them, uh, let us go in to the next towns that I may preach there also. Lord, all men seek for thee. And isn't it amazing that these were the very same people who were with him the day before when they were in the synagogue and they saw him heal that man and they, they, heard, they heard his word with authority. The same people who saw Peter's mother-in-law being healed and into the night. And now the very next day they had failed him already. And how many times we have failed the Lord? How many times we have let the Lord down? Maybe you've let the Lord down in Bible reading. You've, oh Lord, I, I wanted to read more, but you failed the Lord. Maybe you failed the Lord in prayer time. Maybe the family altar hasn't been uh, family spending time in prayer in a long time. Yeah, it's drifted off. And maybe the last time Mr. McLaughlin preached the, the message, you were challenged and maybe the day after. Well, it didn't do what was said. And we have failed like these disciples. The day after, they had failed. But what is interesting is this here. The Lord did not chastise them. The Lord did not rebuke them. The Lord did not cast off his people, which he foreknew. He didn't say, I've had enough. You were with me yesterday. But we learn at the end there in verse 39 to verse 40. Around this period, it says there that there, he meets the leper. So between this period, there's a gap. And what is that gap? What happens in between, somewhere between verse 38 to 40? Well, that's the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, 6 and 7. Because at the end of Matthew chapter 7, when they come down from that mount, they meet this leper here that's mentioned in Mark chapter 1, verse 40. And what happened in that Sermon on the Mount? The Lord gathered his people together and he taught them. And what did he teach them? He taught, well, many things, but one of the main lessons he taught them was about prayer. Lord, teach us to pray. And he taught them the pattern of prayer. He taught what we already quoted there in Matthew chapter 6. But thou, when thou prayest, this is how you're to pray, to get alone. What I did, what you saw me doing, this is what you're to do as well, to get alone. And maybe say we have failed the Lord. But the Lord does not cast us off. The Lord does not throw us aside. The Lord has not said to you today, yeah, I'm finished with you. But he simply draws you back to himself and teaches you today, get alone with me today. Get back to my word today. Get back spending time in this ministry because he taught his disciples. That's what he was doing. He was teaching his disciples of this ministry of prayer. And then preaching. 
And therefore, men and women, young people, get back to the ministry of prayer. Come back afresh to Calvary. Spend time at the cross and look to the Saviour and rededicate your life back to him. Say, Lord, I want that priority to pray. I want that to be my priority. I want that to be my purpose. I want to get along with you, Lord. And you will know times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. What about you? Maybe you're here and you're not saved. Are you spoken about redemption? Are you spoken about the cross of Jesus Christ? And maybe you have never prayed that prayer. Lord, save me. You must come to Calvary today. And look revealed in his wonderful face. And pray that prayer, Lord, save me. Come into my heart and take away all my sin. And we trust that as God's people, that you will know that ministry of prayer again. We'll just unite our hearts together in prayer just before we sing our closing hymn. Don't want us to rush into the hymn, but we want you to take that time now. Whatever the Lord has dealt with you about, whether you're in a backslidden condition, whether you haven't prayed, you haven't read the word of God. One of the elders years ago on Sandown Road, a man called Jimmy Crooks, once used to say, the moment you stop reading, stop praying, you begin the backslide. Maybe that's you today. You haven't read. You haven't prayed. You dedicate your life just now. Take this time before the Lord.